Good morning. Really glad you're here this morning. I'd like to start the morning just by saying thank you to everyone who helped set up this morning. You, you drag yourself out of bed to move the equipment in, to go get the truck, move the equipment in, all the stuff for hospitality and things. We're enjoying that. Uh, so when, when my eyes open on Sunday morning and I can hear rain, I think of everyone who's already in motion. Uh, and I think I, I generally wake up right before they pick up the truck. And so I start praying right then that God would bless and help you guys. So really appreciate that, especially on rainy days, uh, when I personally felt like staying in bed this morning. <laughs> it was just an honest confession. <laughs> it's a great day to stay in bed. I'd also like to say thank you for giving to the Christmas offering. Here's our final update. We reached our goal and surpassed it. Our goal was $30,000, and $36,600 came in. Thank you. That's going to really be a blessing to uh, our congregation and the ministries beyond us that we're giving to. So I, I really, that's, that's fun and exciting. It's great to be able to announce that, that we, we hit the goal. Last week, uh, Thad Lanther began a series looking at how people were made to last forever. We, we started out, we're talking about built to last. This life is not all there is. This, this makes a tremendous difference in the here and now. This life is actually an opportunity to build toward the future on into eternity. That's what you grasp in the scripture. And the reason we're looking at this fact, this fact of eternity, this truth that we live on and on and on uh, for eternity is because your view of heaven dramatically impacts your life and the choices you make in the here and now. And there, there are all kinds of ideas about what happens next. Actually, some people don't think there is anything. So a small percentage of people don't think that life continues on into eternity. So YOLO. You know, I mean, if if this is all you got, YOLO is your mantra, isn't it? Uh, check out this definition. We had to go to a, a Penn State University for a definition of YOLO. But uh, it's an interjection, by the way. You only live once, used especially to rationalize impulsive or reckless behavior. I bought those expensive shoes I've been eyeing. YOLO. Uh, verb As a verb, it's to engage in impulsive or reckless behavior with this sort of rationalization. We've been YOLOing all night. So if, if you don't have anything to live for beyond this life, if that's your mindset, then it puts a tremendous amount of pressure on the here and now, on your relationships, on your circumstances, on whether or not things are going your way, you, you've got to try to control and twist and manipulate and make sure you get what you want right now because it's all there is. It's, it's got to be great. Another view of eternity is sort of the idea of reincarnation based on good or bad karma. You, you come back as something uh, in in the next life, life's a circle that can just go on 
and on and on. There's a movie coming out, A Dog's Purpose. Maybe, maybe it came out this weekend, but this is the idea. And I, I don't think this is a spoiler, but from what I can tell in the trailer, the dog, you know, dog's lives are shorter than human beings for the most part. So the dog keeps coming back as another dog. So I guess really based on the idea of karma, he just does okay. And he comes back kind of at the same level he left. But he comes back as different dogs, and then he ends up with his original owner, and everything's good, I think. I don't, I don't know, but you have to watch the movie. I'm not recommending it, but to find out what a dog's purpose is, I think you have to watch the movie. Um, I know companionship is one thing. You know, people really enjoy their dogs. And so, anyway, enough about that. Uh, a third perspective is most of the people on the planet believe there's something beyond this life. Actually, almost, almost everybody. Archaeologists have studied ancient cultures and civilizations, and one of the things they've discovered is that virtually every culture that has ever existed believes in an afterlife. This, this is what, what you see. And so, most people believe that there's something beyond this life, but since we can't really know for sure what's out there, just gonna take our chances. Here's, here's a very short clip, a very short scene from the movie, uh, from the TV series Justified, and the villainous Mags Bennett, I don't know if you watched it, I watched it to a certain point, and I just had to stop. Um, but, she she makes these comments as she is dying, about to go on into eternity. Listen to what she says. <sighs> Put an end to my troubles. Get to see my boys again. Get to know the mystery. I was I was still watching the series during this scene, and it was chilling, because this woman had wrecked havoc on many, many lives. But notice her hope. Put an end to my troubles. Get to see my boys. Get to see the mystery or learn the mystery. This, this, is, this is something in us. It, it is inside of us. Eternity is in the hearts of men and women. Here's a very evil person who's wrecked many lives but still held on to it. Listen to Ecclesiastes 3, 11 through 12. He, speaking of God, has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. Yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from beginning to the end, I perceive that there was nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. This is Solomon, who's got all the resources you can imagine to go on a search for the meaning of life. And this is at the front of the book. At the beginning of the book, he, he says, God, one thing I know is God has put eternity in our hearts. Now, we can't exactly sort out what God is doing from day to day. But my conclusion is that there's nothing better than to be joyful and to do good 
as long as we live. If we know our destination, it makes a tremendous difference in the way we live right now, the way we work through our troubles, the way we treat the people around us, the way we handle our finances, the way we do life. So Solomon's saying, don't, don't get wrapped up in all of your circumstances and trouble, but set your heart on enjoying life and doing good. This is the meaning of life. This is what it's all about right here. Now, how do we do that? That's what we're going to look at today. What if we had an accurate view of heaven based on what God says in Scripture? I think one of the things we flounder in our walk with God and in our Christian life is that we, we don't have an accurate view of what heaven's all about. We don't really understand what God said there. It would really change our lives if we could confidently grasp what, what's coming next for those who believe. And so this is what we're looking at in this series. We're looking forward to uh, what, we, what the Scripture says about eternity and how that can really impact every part of our life. YOLO happens because we, we don't think we can be sure about heaven. Or we have the wrong picture of what happens next after we die. We don't have a good grasp of what's gonna, what, what we're going to experience. Our, our misconceptions of heaven are causing too much pressure in the here and now. It's, it's a little cloudy, our view of heaven. What, what, what happens? What, what's it like? It's a little cloudy for us, but heaven, in Scripture you find, it's a tangible place, just like Miami or London or Tokyo. It's a tangible place. We tend to think that heaven is totally disconnected from this life. Oh no, there, there's a direct connection. Actually, what God is doing is, He's trying to restore and bring back things to his original design. That's what he's doing, and that's what he can do. He has the power to do it. He's proved it. And so he's, he's working a plan to allow all of us to come to know him if we choose to and restore the earth and provide a heaven that is an extension and a continuation of what he meant for earth to be before we chose to go our own way and reject his rule. This is at the forefront. This, the, the idea of eternity, that there's another life, it's at the forefront of a comment, it's a really chilling comment that Jesus made at one point, and we're going to look at it toward the end of the message. But what you find in his comment is the way you relate to people now has echoes on through eternity. Makes it makes a tremendous difference in the way we live right here and now. Today, we're going to focus on how an accurate understanding of eternity impacts our relationships. Did, did you catch the conclusion in Ecclesiastes 3.12? I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. This, this is what's good for people. This is the best thing. Now, relationships are a major source of joy or pain in life. If relationships are going good, 
boy, life is good. If relationships are strained, you can have more money in the bank than you've ever had. Your job can be going well. Your health can be stellar. But the joy of life evades you because you're struggling through this frustration due to the way relationships are going in your life. If we can recover a sense of eternity and what God has planned for us in heaven, the pressure is off. We, we can lighten up. That's what, that's, what, that's what Solomon was saying there in Ecclesiastes 3. We have eternity in our hearts. We, we are made to last forever, so lighten up. Be joyful and do good. This is, this is what it's all about. This is the meaning of life. But if we can recover that, the pressure's off, and we don't have to get it all right here and now. This life is but a moment in the big scheme of things, in the span of eternity. And so we can enjoy life, we can get above our circumstances, and we can focus on others. The reality of heaven means that relationships have tremendous value since people last forever. When our relationships are going well, life's good. There's enjoyment. But if we forget that people last forever and live like there's no eternity, we put undue, unrealistic expectations on the people around us. It, it creates a strain. On our relationships. Think about when you got married, if you're married. Uh, when I got married, I, I was not focused on all the responsibilities as a husband. I was focused on, this could be great. My wife's going to adore me. She's going to, you know, all, all the privileges of marriage. And you get into it, you realize, hmm, I've got to focus on the other person. I've got to do good. I've got to work to create an atmosphere in our marriage that we can enjoy. And that means I have to say no to myself. And I have to look at her. And I have to do good toward her. I have to think of her interests, not my own. Think about if you have children, think about you know when your baby was born. You know, looking forward to the first child, you're like, it's going to be awesome going to raise this kid and they're going to look at me and smile and on through their life they're going to just really be appreciative of all that I've done for them. Well, it doesn't take long for them to really begin to drain the life out of you <laughs> because you're not able to sleep. You're not getting the sleep you thought you'd get. And and you're, you're just you're just and you know what you need some way to be joyful. And do good by that child. This is, this is what we need. We need some kind of perspective that's going to help us. We do the same with our friendships. We have friendships. And, and we relate to them. And we want them. If we don't have a good grip on heaven and what's coming. We try to get everything we can from our relationships in the here and now. We put the pressure on them. And our expectations are completely unrealistic of what people can and should do for us. We do the same with our coworkers. In our relationships, we 
put the pressure on when we lose sight of eternity. And what happens is relationships erode over time when we suffer from what one guy calls eternity amnesia. <laughs> we, we, we don't live with heaven in mind. Eternity amnesia is when Christ followers forget that God has given us eternal life. This isn't all there is. When we forget that we have heaven waiting for us, we expect others to meet needs that only God can meet. That, that's what happens. And when we do that, when we put that kind of pressure on our relationships, it rattles them. They get rattled. What we do is, when we forget about heaven, when we get this amnesia, we try to extract what we need out of our family and our friends and our co-workers. And it's just as painful as pulling a tooth, maybe more. Because we're trying to get out of them what we need. Paul Tripp wrote a very insightful book. He's the one that came up with the phrase eternity amnesia, as far as I know. And it's called Forever, Why You Can't Live Without It. <laughs> I like the title. It's a very helpful book. You can look it up. Trip is T-R-I-P-P. But he, he lays out the cost of forgetting about forever, forgetting about the fact that we were made to last forever. And he says, eternity amnesia causes us to have unrealistic expectations and a self-oriented focus, and a need for control. We try to control our circumstances. We try to put the people in our lives in a certain place and try to get them to do what we want them to do, sort of like moving them around like chess pieces, because we need it now. We need what, they, what we think they can give us right now. So we're, we're trying to control. We're putting all the pressure on this. Whether in marriage, family life, or friendship, we can be like a vacuum and suck the life out of the people around us by demanding and putting all sorts of pressure on them. We can get into selfishness, pride. We can use people to meet our needs. We can move them around like chess pieces, and we're constantly left disappointed and frustrated by our relationships. And, and the real problem is this devalues the people around us. What you find in Scripture is that people are extremely valuable to God. And he, he proved it in, in history. What you find in Scripture is that people and relationships are not throwaways. This is another implication of the fact that we live forever. We're not throwaways. People have value before God more than any other creature on earth. And he has done some amazing things to reconnect us with himself and give us the opportunity to move on into eternity with him. Now, talking, I don't know about you, but talking about how messed up our relationships can be can make you feel slimy. You know, we, we focused on, you know, control, 
self-orientation, unrealistic expectations. And it might have brought some things to mind that you've done or that others have done that is really, you feel slimy. I like what a friend of mine said in a, in a message recently. His church posted this quote on social media. The Bible shows you you are more messed up than you thought, but more loved than you can imagine. <laughs> if we're going to pull off what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 3, you know, we have eternity in our hearts. There's nothing better than in the, in the, in the uncertainty of life and circumstances and relationships. If we're going to be able to, to be joyful and do good, we, we need help with that. We need some help. There's got to be somewhere we can go. And it's the love of God that fills us up. When you, when you look to others to meet your needs and fill you up, you come up empty. But it's the love of God that fills our tank and gives what we need to be joyful and do good. Even though we rebelled against him, you find in Scripture that he came up with a plan. He had a plan to reconnect with us and restore us to a relationship with him and restore his creation to his original intended state. Here's a picture from the video Thad showed last week. I don't know if you're here, but I think you can get uh, enough from it just as I explain this picture here. The, we, the video talks about three circles. First circle on the left, that's God's original perfect design for the world when the world began. It was perfect. But what happened is the first man and the first woman and everyone after them, including you and I, we sinned. We rejected God as the ruler of our life, and we tried to rule our own lives. That's, that's what sin is. So you see the arrow, sin. And the result of sin is brokenness. This, this world we experience and, and the brokenness we experience in this world in life and relationships is represented by that, that circle on the right. We, we try to fix the brokenness in many ways. That's what those arrows are. We, we try to do religion. We try to do good to others. We try to be an upstanding citizen and person. And there are many ways that we try to, to fix the situation, but it can't, we can't fix it ourselves. We, we need God's help. It's only fixed when we turn from our sin and believe in Jesus to the point where we make him our Lord. And our boss. And then you go to the third circle. Jesus was born. That's the arrow coming down. He died on the cross for our sin. That's the cross. And then he was raised on the third day to prove that he has the power to give us eternal life. That our, our, our security, the fact that we have heaven and are secure in that, that truth is verified by the resurrection. So if you're Seeking this morning, you're trying to figure out whether or not God's real. Look into the resurrection. We have a book, Reason Why Make Faith Makes Sense. They'll, they'll give you some ways of thinking, ways of looking at what's going on that help you understand that faith really does make sense. But there's a point in time in the history of human beings, in the history of this world, where God entered the world, died on a cross 
for our sin, to pay the penalty for our sin, then was raised on the third day to prove his power to overcome death for us and restore the, the earth and heaven to God's original design. This, this is what he's doing in the big scheme of history. This is what's going on. It's God's relentless love for us that's the source of our value. And it's not disconnected from this world. Where we're heading is not disconnected. It's all seamless connection. What we're doing here has an impact in eternity. But it's his love that's the source of our value. And we can draw on his love and his help in the moment now to be joyful and do good. Romans 5.8 says this, But God shows his love for us and that while we're yet sinners, while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. This is God's love. It's been demonstrated. It's been proven to us in this way. Our value comes from the fact that God made us. And, you know, it's right for some... Someone that's been made to do what the maker wants, but we didn't. We didn't let him rule. We, we decided to go our own way. So he made us and then he kept pursuing us and loving us despite our rebellion. We can't extract value from other people. But God's love proves our value. And as we tap into the well, the strength that comes from knowing him and knowing the value he places on us, our relationships can thrive. This, this is crucial. The truth is, God's love is what we need to be joyful and do good. We need help with this. I do. Boy, I get up some mornings and I'm cranky. I'm not joyful. I'm just like, I feel the weight of the world on me. Ah, how am I going to pull this off today? But we need his love. Think about God's love. He made us. And then he paid the price for our sin. We rejected his rule, but he paid the price. This perspective takes the pressure off the here and now. Realizing if God gives you 70 years here plus, maybe, that's just a drop in the bucket to eternity. Realizing it, we don't have to get it all in the here and now. We don't have to get everything out of our relationships right here and now. God is restoring us and he's restoring the world and he's creating a new heavens and a new earth that we can enjoy. So we, we don't have to have it right now. We, we can wait. We can be patient. If, if, if I understand God's love, what he's done to reconnect me with him, to provide e eternal life for me, I don't expect earth to be heaven. Because it's not. It is not, it is not heaven. I can, I can draw from the well of his love and then give that love away to the people around me. This, this is a deep, one-of-a-kind well. That gives what we need to do our part toward the goal of creating an enjoyable atmosphere in our relationships, the one that we crave, and doing good to the others around us. We have what we need to do good 
and create the enjoyable atmosphere. Let's turn the corner here and look at some specific ways that we develop that atmosphere and some things that Scripture says about it. An enjoyable atmosphere develops as we do loving things. Maybe a Captain Obvious statement, but that's true. <laughs> Easier said than done, isn't it? Here's a definition of love that uh, it's God's kind of love from 1 Corinthians 13. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Love's eternal. I mean, we're going to continue to show love on through eternity. And the loving things we do can build a reward. God didn't have to do this, but the loving things we do here and now build a, a reward on through eternity. Love bears and endures. It believes and hopes, and it never ends. Love's something that we will continue to show all through eternity. There's this gigantic aspect to it. But that's the loving things we do when we bear with one another, where we endure one another, um, we show patience, long-suffering toward the people around us. We believe in them. We think the best of them. As we choose to do this, as we continue to draw on the strength God provides and the love he's given to love others, that just continues on, has ramifications in the next life. Enjoyable atmosphere develops as we do loving things and as we say loving things. As you know, our words fill the air. And create an atmosphere. We've been on the receiving end of someone being short with us. And we've also said hurtful things to someone and seen the look on their face when we said them. Proverbs 12:18 says, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Now, God helps us do the math with our mouth. I need help if I'm going to. If I'm going to subtract the things that are hurtful and add in the things to my language, my words, that are going to be helpful and build others up. I need God's help for that. I, 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 don't, I don't know about you, but I don't have the power myself to pull that off. A lot of what I've been describing, when we put all the pressure on the here and now in this life, what I've been describing is, we tend to get into what the Bible calls the flesh then. And we've got to make it happen ourselves without God involved. And that, that is, we can't pull that off. We need his help. We, I woke up, well actually I made one cup of coffee this morning. And then the power went out. So at least I got one cup. I'm very grateful for that. Uh, it was out until I came here. But my wife texted and said it's back on, so that's good news. But you know what? There wasn't the power to do a lot of things I've been accustomed to doing. Like uh, the last thing I remember not being able to do this morning was raise up the garage door. Got went out. Both cars are in the garage. Uh-oh. What am I going to do? I had to do it myself. I, I, and that's, that's what we fault when we don't rely on God. When we don't go to him for the source of love to give to other people, we're left on our own. There isn't the power to do what we would want to do. We have to do it ourselves, and we run out of gas. We run out of fuel 
in showing love to the people around us. So easy to lash back at someone who hurts you. But we need God's help to be constructive in the way we handle the hurt. It's difficult to build others up with words when we don't feel they're doing the same thing for us. Again, we need God's help for this. If you're a parent, it's easier to try to prod and control your kids and to push them with sharp commands than it is to bring their heart along with the right words that will train them. usually takes a lot more words to train them, to fill them in on what you're wanting them to do and to build them up. Then it just, hey, just make my life easy right now. Would you just do this? We need help for this. I do. I need God's help to do the things that please him, to be joyful and do good by the people around me. Uh, we, We build relationships that move on into eternity, relationships that last in the here and now when we do and say loving things. And finally, we create an enjoyable atmosphere as we choose a loving attitude. When Jesus lived here on earth, he continually challenged people's views and made, at one point, a chilling remark about our attitude toward others. We we tend to think if, if I don't actually hurt someone with what I do or say, then I'm okay. But what you find in Scripture is that God kind of has this ability to x-ray into our thoughts. And he wants us to please him in our thoughts as well. Because our thoughts end up showing up in our words and actions. And at one point Jesus um, said this about our, our attitude toward people. It's a chilling remark. Matthew five twenty one and 22. You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Notice what's in the back of his mind. Eternity. Our attitudes toward the people around us will echo on through eternity. If you look down on someone, you've sinned before God. And when you insult someone inwardly or outwardly, you cheapen their value. Someone who's precious and priceless before God. No one is worthless. Every person has equal value before God. People are not throwaways. To regard people as worthless is a serious matter. Now, this is a wake-up statement. This is, I remember reading it. The first time I read it and thinking, I'm, I'm liable to hell. This is not good. I am liable to the hell of fire because I have looked down on other people. The reality is we're liable to the hell of fire for all kinds of sin. It separates us from God, which is the very definition of hell. God gives us a choice. If we choose him, we accept him into our life, we make him the ruler like he should be, 
He, we live on through eternity with him. If we don't, he honors our choice and we live on through eternity without him. But it's this looking down on other people attitude. That's one of the things that makes us liable to the hell of fire. And this is what I've been talking about. We should be so grateful to God because of his amazing grace that he's made a way for us to get past our liability. In the person of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, he canceled out our liability. This statement Jesus is making, he's not saying if you look down on someone, it's over, you're going to hell. What he's saying is you're liable to the hell of fire, but what you find out is he lived his life, he died the death he did to take on our liability and to cancel it out to anyone who accepts him as their Lord and as their Savior. This is an amazing thing that God has done. He's gone to great lengths to connect us to eternity. And what this does is it shows us how priceless people are to God that he doesn't even want us looking down in disdain on them. He wants us to realize, actually, he, he wants us to look across at them and even up to them. Because people are priceless to the God who made us. And very, very important to him. It's interesting that the verse that follows is tied to a commitment. We're renewing our membership right now at Church of the Valley, those who are members. And the verses that follow these are tied to one of the things we commit to in Church in the Valley as a part of our church covenant, which is when relationships get messed up, I'm going to clear up the relationships. I'm going to admit my wrong and ask forgiveness. From those. So Jesus says, don't look down on people in verses 21 and 22 and verses 23 and 24. This is what he says. If you're offering a gift at the altar and remember that somebody has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Go and be reconciled with the person and then come back and offer your gift. He doesn't want your religious acts as much as he wants you to be right with the people around you. That's the, his priority. Relationships are incredibly important to the God who made us. We're not perfect people. We all mess up. But when we mess up, God forgives. We're liable to the hell of fire, but he has paid the price. He's canceled out our liability. And God says... That people are so important that when we mess up, we should clear up the relationships that are messed up by admitting our wrong and asking forgiveness. This is how we show the value of the people around us. What's the atmosphere in your relationships right now? Is the air filled with frustration? Are you putting too much pressure on the people around you and expecting them to fill you up? Only God can fill you. It's his love that gives you what you need. Now, sometimes he uses the people around you to do that, but you, you don't want to try to extract it from them. You want to get it from God and realize how priceless you are before him. Are there some things that you need to clear up with someone that you've wronged? 
are, are there some ways that you need to rewind? Maybe you've done some things that hurt people or said some things or, or had attitudes that have come out in what you've done or said. And you need to rewind. We all have steps to take in our relationships as we move forward in them. Keeping heaven in mind takes the pressure off of them and allows us to move forward, to, do, to be joyful, and, and to do good. As I wrap up this morning, I'd like you to think through your next step. Here are some suggestions I have, I've made. Uh, my next step today could be, the, number, the first one is, uh, for the first time, I accept Jesus as my Savior and commit to follow Him as Lord. Maybe, maybe you've never decided to give your life to trust Jesus, to believe Him to the point where you trust Him with your life, and you're ready to do that. Uh, let us know. We'd, we'd love to send you some things that would help with that decision. And then uh, a second step could be to read through 1 Corinthians 13 and ask God for insight on loving those around me. Very practical passage on how to show love, uh, the love that never ends. And then uh, a third step would be to identify a relationship where you can work to create an enjoyable atmosphere. Maybe it's not that great right now, but you might need to take responsibility for some things and take some steps to repair the relationship, to clear it up. Uh, and do some things, say some things, and choose a different attitude in that. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for all that you've shown us in the Word of God that frees us up to live life uh, in a way that makes it good. Thank you for the love that you've shown us that allows us to be joyful and do good. Help us with this, God. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ.